فاشرف بي لاشتغالي بالعلم ولا تبغي به ما عشت يدا بدلا ويا له من شرف عظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين له الحمد الحسن والثناء الجميل واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له يقول الحق وهو يهدي السبيل واشهد ان سيدنا ونبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وعلى اله واصحابه والتابعين لهم باحسان الى يوم الدين اما بعد we were talking about principles and conditions and matters pertaining to takfir labeling a person a kafir um, we're now going to be speaking about shu'ab al-kufri the branches of kufr <coughs> what we need to understand is kufr has different branches that come out from it that stem from kufr and all of those branches that stem from kufr are in opposition to iman just like iman has branches that stem from it so does kufr have branches that stem from it so the branch that stems from kufr is in direct opposition to the to iman so the branch of kufr is in direct opposition towards iman just like every act of obedience is part of it's a branch of what branch of iman the same way is sins are also all types of sins whatever level or scale you put it in all of sins are shu'abul kufri they are the branches of al kufri they are according to ahl sunnah wal jama'ah either they are uh, the highest level which is a sin which has reached kufr akbar where the person leaves a religion or it can be kufr asghar or it can be, it can just be mujarrad ma'siyah are you with me brothers and that's why we tend to find that the prophet ﷺ refers to مثلا the hadith of abdullah ibn mas'ud sibab al muslim fusuq wa qitaluhu kufr insulting a muslim is fusuq transgression and killing him is what kufr la tarji'u ba'di kuffar yadribu ba'dukum riqab ba'd so the prophet said don't turn to being disbelievers after me killing one another so we know a muslim killing a muslim is not what kufr already know that but why did the prophet refer to it as kufr the reason why the prophet referred to it as kufr is because it's a branch from the branches of al kufr it's a branch from the branches of al kufr ibn al qayyim rahimahullah said before him his teacher shaykh al islam ibn taymiyyah said regarding the verse uh, Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah said in his Mudmu' al-Fatawa he says Muhammad. He said a person there might be with, me, with him branch uh, uh, there might be with him branches of Iman. Uh, I'm a branch of, from the branches of Iman with him. A branch from the branches of Iman might be with him. And he also may have simultaneously with him branches, mm. a branch, sorry, from the branches of disbelief. So this is the issue of Ahl Sunnah al Jama'ah. They believe a person can be a kafir and he can also be a mumin. Ahl Sunnah believe that. So this is why, because branches of sins, sins are all branches of kufr. So when you lie, that's a branch of kufr there. 
When you break a promise, that's a branch of kufr there. When you steal, that's a branch of kufr there. Yeah? These are ushu'abu al-kufr. You see? But the person still has aslul iman. He's still a believer. He's not a disbeliever. But the branches of kufr are here. Shaykh al points this out. So he says, Even hypocrisy might be with that person. Muslim and he's still called a Muslim. He's a Muslim. He has branches of kufr in him. He's got branches of hypocrisy in him. Like if he talks, he lies. If he promises, he breaks his promises. You see, if you trust him something, he loses. I mean, that's branches of nifaq there. But he's still a Muslim. He's not a kafir. So now we've concluded. And also Ibn Qayyim says, Rahimahullah, وَالْحُكْمُ بِمَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهِ Ruling by what Allah has sent down. Ruling by what Allah has sent down is مِنْ شُعَبِ imani. It's from the branches of al-Imani. وَالْحُكْمُ بِغَيْنِ مَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهِ is مِنْ شُعَبِ الْكُفْرِ And ruling by other than what Allah has sent down is from the branches of what? Kufri, it's branch of kufr. Are we all together on that? So we now conclude from the statement of Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah ibn al-Qayyim and the ayah of course Number one, and shu'ab al-kufri that the branches of kufr it's not of one level. That's the first thing that we take from this. There are some branches of an iman so it says, there's some branches of kufr that if a person comes with, the person becomes a disbeliever. It will take him out of the fold of Islam. And there is from them, from the branches of kufr, branches, the person doesn't become a disbeliever based on it. He's still a believer. Does that make sense? Number two, we also learned it can combine in an individual. It can combine in an individual. Branches of Iman and branches of Kufr. So he becomes a, so he has in him Kufrun wa Imanun. He has Kufr and Iman all present in him. It can happen. Number three. The person who the branch branches of iman, a branch from the branches of al-kufr, sorry, whoever is present in him, anyone who is present in him, a branch from the branches of what? Al-kufr. This does not remove from him the title of Islam. It doesn't remove from him being called a Muslim. And he also doesn't deserve to be given the musammal iman al-mutlaq. He doesn't deserve to be given a complete iman. He can't be said he has complete iman. Sometimes his branches of iman may be more, so he becomes more closer to being a mu'min. We still don't give him that unrestricted title of mu'min. We don't. We just call him a Muslim, mainly. Or even if we call him a mu'min, we say mu'minun bi'imanihi fasiqun bi'kabiratihi. That's what we say. Are you there? 
We don't just unrestrictedly open the word Iman for him because we don't want an Imanul Mustahab to enter into it for him because he's missing even the wajibat is missing from him. But sometimes the branches of kufr that are in him may be so little, sorry, Iman might be so much, the branches of Iman may be so much that he's more closer to being called a mu'min unrestrictedly. And sometimes the branches of kufr may be more and he is more further from being given that title Al-Iman. Does that make sense? Now that we've understood that, um, we're now going to go into another powerful point, another powerful chapter inshaAllah which we're going to be speaking about. The rulings of the Ahkam al-Kufri wa ahlihi fi dunya wal akhirah. The people of Kufr. What's their ruling in this world and the hereafter? So we're going to start with the first one, which is what? The one who falls into Kufr Akbar. Are you with me? The person who falls into a Kufr Akbar. Uh, is Kufr is Kufr Akbar. What's the ruling in this world and what's the ruling in the hereafter? We previously spoke about that the Kufar are categorized into so many different categorizations, but we also categorize them into a person who is a kafir from the get-go is called kafir asli and the second one we said remember we said is kafir which is tari I mean this person was a Muslim and then he left Islam so we need to distinguish it here it's very important okay the kuffar when it comes to the rulings of this world they are of different levels based on those two categorizations that I just mentioned which is are they kafir asli or a kafir bari, which is murtad, a hypostas, a person apostated. <coughs> now we're going to talk about the kafir asli. The kafir asli are three types. The kuffar asliyun, meaning those who are kuffar by the, from the default position, or they've always been kuffar. Okay? Um, their parents have made them into kuffar and they've always been with. There are three types Ahlul Kitab, Ahlul Kitab. Al-Kitab is the first one. The second one is Mallahu Shubhatu Kitab. Each one we're gonna go through it properly. The second one is Mallahu Shubhatu Min Kitab. Like there's a doubt of whether they are placed in the people Al Kitab or not. There's a doubt, there's a discussion, there's a khilaf amongst the ulama. So these ones are disputed whether they are Ahl Kitab, the second type. The first one, Ahl Kitab, the people of the book. The second group are disputed whether they are Ahlul Kitab. And the third are those who are not Ahlul Kitab. And they are neither people of uh, doubt, where we, th we doubt whether they are Ahlul Kitab or not. They're, another, none, they're, they're not the first nor the second. The, let's start with the Ahlul Kitab, which is the Christians and the Jews. How do we deal with them in this world? Now we broke the kuffar into how many? Three, right? Each kafir in this world is dealt with in a way. The first way is Ahlul Kitab, who are the Nasara and the Jews. These ones who basically establish their religion. They actually believe in their faith. They're Christians, they follow their book, they, relate, they go by their, they go to their bi uh, church, they follow their Bible, and that's what they live by. Those individuals, jizya. Jizya is taken from them. The money is taken from them, called jizya. This is by consensus of the ulama. 
ابن خبيرة بنزل الكتاب الإفصاح ابن قدامة بنزل الكتاب المغني الوصول ابن قدامة بنزل الكتاب أحكام أهل ذمة that jizya is taken from them jizya is a money that they pay that the Muslims don't pay the Muslims pay zakat the Muslims what do they pay the Muslims pay zakat so they pay they're not Muslims so they don't pay zakat so the other money that's made obligatory on them is actually, is called what? It's called jizya. It's called jizya. Um, the scholars also uh, agreed, and they are all in agreement, that that the women who are the people, women of the scriptures, which are the Christians and the Jews, their women are allowed to be married by a Muslim man. A Muslim man can. He can. He can marry a Christian or a Jew, but she has to be chaste. She has to be a woman who is far from zina. She has to be far from zina. The scholars, they all also, also all agree, except the only person who was narrated from him that he prohibited that was Abdullah ibn Umar. He prohibited that. Radiallahu uh, ta'ala Also, the slaughter. And the food made by the Christians and the Jews is also permissible. And this is ijma'u ahlil ilm. There's a consensus. It's not a khilafi issue. But the, the, the dispute is, do they have to mention the name of Allah or do they not? This is where some scholars brought the khilaf. They brought a dispute whether they are conditioned to mention the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But they're all in consensus agreement that if they mention the name of Allah, it's halal. And if the slaughterer who slaughters is a Christian or a, a Jew. Now I have to step over something which is the issue of marrying women who are from Ahlul Kitab. This issue, Ya Ikhwatil Kiram, is a mas'ala that when the ulama are talking about it, they're talking about it in the lands of the Muslims. Where the non-believers are living in the lands of the Muslims. So taking this verdict from the ulama and using it in a land where the kufr is the upper hand, okay, and it's more stronger, and the chances of your children becoming kuffar is very high and etc. We are, you know, some of the times the ulama used to prevent a Muslim marrying a Muslim woman in some places. You're talking about the kuffar. Sometimes marriage is haram. It's actually haram. You're not allowed to do marriage. You can't marry a woman. And if you guys are well aware, Marriage is actually the, uh, one of the ahkam of the religion that, has, that goes through all five. Are you with me? Sometimes it goes through all the five ahkam uh, al Sometimes it can be wajib. Sometimes it can be recommended. Sometimes it can be disliked. Sometimes it can be haram. Sometimes it can be mubah. It goes through all the five phases. Marriage. And marrying a woman in a land where there is, Muslims are subjugated, Muslims are very weak, their children are being harmed, and etc. And there's fear there, going there and marrying, some of the ulama say it's prohibited, it's not allowed. You're not allowed to. That's to a Muslim sister and a Muslim woman. What would you think to yourself if, the, if we're here in a country like this, where a, 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 a wife, a Muslim, the Muslim wife, telling her to be steadfast on her deen and hold on to her, the book of Allah and the sunnah. We're struggling with that and we're finding that hard. And then holding our children up to their religious, uh, holding them up to their religious practice is also hard. 
it will be much more hard at a woman who's a Christian who doesn't have to follow your religion. Sahih brothers. So these ahkam are talking about when Islam and the Muslims land and the disbelievers enter it. And they're paying their jizya and they have nowhere to marry. Can a Muslim man approach her and marry her? The environment and everything works against the, Muslim, uh, the Christian here. In the sense, when I say it works against, I mean that she's, her children are bound to become Muslims. She's not going to last as being a Christian as well. Because she's going to see your good manners and the way you're dealing with her and everything and etc. Does it make sense? So this is important. The Dabai Yuhali Kitab, also the, 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 the meat and the food of the people of this book, we have to really take into consideration gen, are the places that we're going to, are they Ahlul Kitab? Going to McDonald's, for instance, and KFC, and, and eating their food and saying, oh, but by the way, they're just the, the, the people of, they're Christians and they're Jews, so we can eat it. KFC and McDonald's have really said to you directly that, come on, we're, we're, we're not Christians, we're not Jews. They might be Zionists, they might fund them, but they basically believe that they are what? That they are uh, secularists. They really don't care about that. No, we don't have to test, ask them. We don't have to ask people what they believe and their faith. But we know that corporations nowadays, the default position is that they are not Christians. They don't bind by Christianity. Yeah, generally speaking. I mean, if we use the concept of Christianity and uh, Judaism, in the UK it's died out, man. It's really not there. Which politician do you actually see calling Christianity? But in America is a bit more. America is a bit more than us when it comes to Christianity. Okay? But London in the UK, do you hear that? Huh? Even when they do talk about Christianity, they say, this country, this country, not we are, this country is a Christian country. They might say that politicians here and there just to make the f people feel like you know we're still there we haven't left but the idea of Christianity and religion is they're far from it the second the second is it's a people who's okay are they Ahlul Kitab there's a dispute and they are the Majus what do we do with them we also take jizya from them as well. The Majus, we take, they're called the Zoroastrians. What's it called? Zoroastrians. Yeah? Yeah, Zoroastrians. Basically, they're fire worshippers and stuff like that. They're from Persia. From them, we take jizya. Jizya is taken from them as well. Based on the hadith of Sahih al Bukhari, and Abdul Rahman ibn Awfin, and no shahid, and Rasulullah min Majusi Hajar. The, the Jew, uh, sorry, the Majus uh, of Hajar, the Prophet ﷺ, he took jizya from them. Um, as for marrying their women, can a Muslim marry their women? And can he eat their dhaba'ih, their slaughter? It's not permissible. It is not permissible. And this is the view of the majority of the scholars except Abu Thawr. Abu Thawr believed you can. But the majority of the scholars believe you can't. What about those who are not Ahlu Kitab and they are not Shubhatu Kitab? I mean, they're not, they're not Majus. For example, they are Abadatul Awthan, idol worshippers. 
or they worship angels, or they worship the sun and the moon, or they're like Buddhists and, and the rest, they fall, fall under here. These ones, لا تقبل منهم الجزيه Jizya is not accepted from them. Jizya is not accepted from them. What's accepted from them is Islam. And if they don't accept Islam, they're fought. And this is the view of the majority of the ulama. They're given two options. Do you take Islam? No, we're fighting with them. As for their slaughter, as for their slaughter and their women, there's no dispute amongst the people of knowledge that it's haram. All of those three that I mentioned, I'm only speaking about the kuffar which are what? The kuffar which are? Asliyin. The kuffar which are? Asliyin, meaning they are Christianity or they're Jewish or they're Bajus, fire worshippers. And this is something they've always been. This is what we're talking about. So the kuffar al-asliyun are divided into two when it comes to fighting with them or having peace with them. Are you there? There's three, three levels that they have. The kuffar who are asliyin. We mentioned which types they are. We're talking about, are you with me? Are you with me? They are three types. The first one is Ahlu Harbin. Ahlu Harb means they are kuffar they have announced basically fighting with us, war. They've announced war with us. The ulama have unanimously agreed they're fought. But they differed whether they should be called to Islam before they are fought. Ahlu Harb. Before the fight starts, do we call them to Islam first and then we fight them? Or do we just fight them? A group of ulama have taken the opinion, such as Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, that it is a condition to call them to Islam before they are fought. And the majority of the ulama they took that calling them to Islam is before this fight. When this fight starts and they announce it, then no, there is no need. Some of scholars actually said, no, this was actually at the beginning of Islam, when Islam wasn't heard of. Now Islam has actually been heard of by everybody. So there's no need to call them to it. Good. An elderly man can never be killed. A blind person cannot be killed. A monk who's a worshipper, who's in his salah, is a monk, he's a worshipper, or you know, priests, uh, popes, they're not killed. They're not killed. Unless they play a role in the fight. If they are part, if they is uh, a uh, general on the side, he's a priest in the morning, and he's a general in the evening, he's running the show for the, uh, then, then if that's the case, from the strongest view of the scholars, is that he, he, he's fought. He's fought against. <coughs> As for the women, and the children, and the crazy ones, the crazy people, so the Amin Nisa, Wal Majanin, the crazy, 
uh, and the women, and they're not killed. They are never allowed to be killed. They are not allowed to be killed in any way, form or shape. If the kuffar come and they kill our women and our children, and they massacre our women and our children, <coughs> we're not still allowed to kill their women or their children. Pay attention to this. Are you there, brothers? And the fatwa Sheikh Ibn Uthaymin is wrong in this issue. That he gave, that he said, if they kill our women and our children, we can kill their women and their children. La, 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 Sheikh Ibn Uthaymin. It's a wrong fatwa. And it's an incorrect fatwa. لأن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم prohibited it. Naha عن قتل النساء والصبيان. The Prophet prohibited us from killing women and children. Women and children are not killed. <coughs> but if the women and the children are fighting with us, the women, they, they're part of the army now. They're added to the list. They're given her. What's the ruling in this situation? Um, according to the ulama, they are fought now. They are fought as a man. And Ibn Qudama then said, لا نعلم في هذا خلافا. We don't know any dispute in this matter. If a woman is proper trained, she's taking out men, one after the other, you know? She's tomb raider. She's taking one after the other. In this situation, in this situation, she is, she is fought in the battle, just like the men. <coughs> Good. What about the captives that are taken? The captives that are taken. So we fought them, the fight finished, we've got captives from them. What happens here? The captives are three, uh, three types. Three types. Number one is women and children. Those are not allowed to be killed. We said that before. And they become They are slaved. They are taken as slaves. Number two. The men from Ahlul Kitab and the Majus. These ones, the leader, he gives them four choices. Al-Qatl, fight. Do you want to fight? Or this is, this is something that goes back to the leader, what he sees befitting. Or, um, favored without any exchange. Or, istirqa, slavery. They go through slavery. And I, the fourth one's not written for me. I didn't write the fourth one. The third type of Ahlul Harb are Rijal min Abadatil Awthan, the idol worshippers, the Buddhists, and those who don't have no scripture or anything, no book, nothing. They worship cows. These ones, the Iman gives them three choices. The first one is Al Qatl wal Man. Al Qatl means what? Who, who, whose walking stick is that? Is it your walking stick? 
is somebody's walking stick. <laughs> I remember one of my oldest daughter one time, she's, she, guy was praying, he put his walking stick next to him, and um, she took it from him. She threw it somewhere. And the man, he was alone, all day was struggling to walk. <laughs> Kids can make people go through a hard time. So the third one is الرجال من عبدة الأوثان Those who worship They worship Wathan, uh, they worship idols And they also what? Um, they're grave, uh, sorry, they're what do you call it? Idol worshippers or they are cow worshippers or what not These ones, the Imam gives them three choices The first one is Al-Qatl, the second one is, is what I mentioned before And the third one is always missing for me they are never take, these ones are not taken as they're not taken as slaves. Now we're left with the next type of um, the next type of uh, um, the three types of the disbelievers when it comes to is what ahlul a people we have a covenant with and a people we have a treaty with. Are we all together? That was all a people we were fighting with. Now we come to a people we have Dhimma and Ahd. Dhimma here means what? So here, before we go into Dhimma, there, here, here, Ahlu Ahkamu Ahli Dhimmati Wal Ahdi, Ibn al Qayyim has a book on it. He wrote a whole book on this one. He wrote a thick book on it. And it's three types. It's what? It's three types Ahlu Dhimma, Ahlu Hudnatin, Ahlu Amanin. There are three types here. Ahlu Hudna, let's start with that one first. What does Hudna mean? Hudna means that the leader or the one after the leader in charge, uh, you know, who takes the place of the leader, he basically, he sets a contract with a group of Kufar Harbiin, Kufar who have been fought. He takes with them a contract. On what? Let's stop fighting for a while. Are you there? Let's stop fighting. Very good. He might pay them or give them something, in, 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 something, stop the fight. Or he may not. This is now called mudahana. It's called hudna. Scholars, they call it many different. They call it mudahana, they call it muwada'ata, they call it mu'ahadatan, they call it musalamatan. All of those are names that are given to it. And the ayah in Surah Al-Bara'a, ayah number one, shows it. Bara'atum min Allahi wa Rasuli ila al-ladhina ahadtum min al-mushrikeen. First ayah in Surah Al-Tawbah. Are we together on that? So this is that's the first type. The scholars, they say, it is not permissible unless there's going to come to the Muslims and benefit in it. Basically, this hudna is not correct unless there's a maslaha for the Muslims in it. And some scholars, they said, La, no. It doesn't, it is correct. Um, so the first group of scholars are saying, that it has to be done based on the Muslims' needs. So this is based on the Muslims' needs, they can do it. 
and they have to restrict it to according to their needs. They can't just unrestrictedly open that. Because remember that if you do that, then Ahkam al-Jihad is Mu'attal. Jihad doesn't exist. Another group of scholars, they said, no, it's, it's not correct. Except that the delay of jihad is there, which I just mentioned right now. What's the difference between Ahlul Hudna and Ahlul Dhimma? Ahlul Hudna are Ahkam of Islam does not apply to them. And there is no Ahkam of Islam that applies to them. They're, they're in their lands, they're kuffar, they do what they want. Whereas Ahlul Dhimma, they're living under Islam. The Muslims are governing their affairs. Naam, the Ahkam of Islam is pouring over them. Also, the second one is Ahlul Hudra is. That the uh, Muslims are actually having a, a, a contract with the disbelievers for them to be in their, in their places. That the Muslims are going to be in their place, they're going to stay in their land, and the disbelievers are going to be in theirs, and that's it. There is that distinguishing factor between us two. It's a condition that the Muslims are stipulating. Whereas Ahlul Dhimma, there doesn't exist. So the Muslims. When they're conditioning it, they tell the kuffar, you don't have to live under us. Nor do we have to live under you. Number three. The dhimma contract is not correct illa bidaf'il kuffari lil jizya. The kuffar have to pay jizya. Are you there? When uh, the dhimmi is being given a contract, this contract is what? He has to pay in, in return, he has to pay jizya. He has to. As for hudna, on the other hand, it's permissible if there's wealth given or not. Rather, it's even allowed if the Muslim pays money, the Muslim can pay money. So he can stop the blood of the Muslims being shed until the Muslims actually are growing and they're nurturing themselves. Also, the other difference is The Ahlul Hudra, if they break the contract, if they break the, or if it's feared that they're breaking the contract, the contract is thrown at them. It can be terminated. Are you with me? Whereas Ahlul Dhimma, na, fayajib i'lamun qabla al-igara, they have to be informed first. They have to be informed, you have to inform them and say to them, this is what the situation is. What's the other type that I mentioned? Ahlul Aman, right? Huh? I already mentioned, if you think about it, Ahlul Hudna and Ahlul Dhimma, I mentioned them together. So I've only got the third one left, which is Al-Aman. Aman is simple, is, is when a, a Muslim takes a non-believer who's a harbi. He takes him and he enters him into the Muslim land. I bring Steve, I said, Steve, come with me. Steve's country and the Muslim country are fighting. 
I said, Steve, come with me and you can bring your Christina with you if you want. So he comes with his wife or his girlfriend, whatever, and they come to the Muslim world. And no one can touch them. No one's allowed to touch them. I am the one who bought them. I have given them safety. And no one is allowed to, in any way, form or shape, allowed to transgress on them. Based on the hadith of the Prophet which is that that the dhimmi that I have given a contract to it spreads through all the Muslims every single body has to abide, abide to that, that contract I gave this man we all are abiding by it it's like I, we all did it together no one is allowed to touch him and it's allowed safety to be given by every Muslim baliq who's reached age of puberty and is aql and is sane it can be a male or it can even be a female it doesn't matter it can be a male or female and you know uh, Ali ibn Abi Talib when he wanted to basically he was promising to kill one of the um, when he was when he wanted to kill one of the uh, individuals that his sister gave contract to. What was her name? Um Muhani gave contract to a Christian or a Jew. She gave a kafir harbi. She gave him a, a man. And Ali was telling he's gonna kill this person. Maybe because of something. So then she came to the Prophet said, Ya Rasulullah, Ali is promising to kill a person I've given safety to. And the Prophet said to Um Muhani we have given safety to whoever you've given safety to. We're always going to touch him. We're always going to touch that person. Are you with me? So that person lives in safety. No one's allowed to touch them. If a Muslim organization brings them to a Muslim disbelieving country, if the Muslim leader finds that these people who come in are causing problem and havoc and chaos, he takes them out of the country. But he can't harm them. Nothing can be done to them. And they can't be deceived. Now we finish talking about the kuffar, which are the asliyin, the kuffar, which are born kuffar. What about the murtad now, the apostate? And who was a murtad? A murtad Islam, is one who turned away from Islam and he turned towards kufr. And he went to turn towards what? He turns towards kufr. And the ulama by consent in agreement that a murtad, a person who apostates from Islam, who leaves Islam, from the men, they should be killed. There's a dispute whether the woman should be killed. If a murtad woman, she should be killed or not, there's a khilaf. Like in the woman is mujma'ah. And the hadith that they use is Anyone who changes his religion should be killed. Do we ask repentance from the kafir the person who did who apostated, do we ask them repentance before he's the Muslim leader does the punishment on them? The had the capital punishment? Does he ask repentance from them? Huh? Does he ask repentance from them? This is there's two qawl, there's two opinions in this issue. If they are asked. The majority of the scholars are upon that the person is three times requested to come back to Islam. What you're doing is wrong, it doesn't make sense. 
That's what some majority of the scholars are upon. And the other opinion, of course, is that no, he's killed without us being lost. The slaughtering of the murtad is haram. Even if he goes to Christianity, it's haram. If a Muslim leaves Islam and goes to Christianity, he is a what? He's a murtad. He's slaughtering is haram. <coughs> and this is the view held by Akhtarul Ulama, the majority of the scholars. And it's the call of Imam Malik and Shafi and Layth and Thawri and Ashab al Ra'i and Awza'i and Ishaq ibn Rahuya. And Imam al Awza'i said, Sorry, so this was the view held by Malik and Shafi'i and Layth and Thawri and Ashab al Ra'i. Lakin Awza'i and Ishaq ibn Rahuya, they held that it doesn't matter as long as he's a Christian. That's what really matters. Now that we've spoken about the, the, those who've come with Kufr Akbar, how do we deal with them in this world? We now know, right? Okay, now, how, what's their ruling in the hereafter? Hukmul Kufr Al-Akbari. Those who are Kufar, Kufr Akbar, what's their ruling in the Akhirah? As we know, the Kufar are of different types. There is a Ahlul Kitab, Christians and Jews. There are the Majus. Uh, there are the Wathaniyeen, idol worshippers, they're the Mushrikeen, they're, they're just people who associate partners with Allah. There's Zanadiqa, they're heretics, like the philosophers and stuff like that, and the Mulhideen, and they're even Murtadeen, apostates. All of those which we mentioned, they are in the hellfire, the day of judgment, and they will stay in there. Abad al-Abad, la yakhrajuna minha bihalim. They will never come out of the, of the hellfire. They will stay in the hellfire forever. And they will never ever come out. And the Kitab and the Sunnah have shown this. From the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, kafaru, Those who are disbelievers, Min ahlil kitabi, from the, uh, those who are disbelievers, such as the Ahlul Kitab, the Christians and the Jews, Mushrikeen and the pagans, fi nari they are in the hellfire. Allah says, fiha, They will stay in there forever. These are the worst of the people. Ula'ika, they are sharrul bariyati, the worst of people. So they are, they are going to enter the hellfire, they're going to stay there what? They're going to stay there forever. Also the Prophet sallallahu showed us the same, and then they're going to stay in the hellfire forever. The Prophet said, إِذَا صَارَ أَهْلُ الْجَنَّةِ إِلَى الْجَنَّةِ وَصَارَ أَهْلُ النَّارِ إِلَى النَّارِ أُوْتِيَ بِالْمَوْتِ حَتَّى يُجْعَلَ بَيْنَ الْجَنَّةِ وَالنَّارِ ثم يذبح ثم ينادي مناد يا أهل الجنة لا موت يا أهل النار لا موت فيزداد أهل الجنة فرحا ويزداد أهل النار حزنا إلى حزنهم when the people who are going to enter Jannah enter Jannah and the people who are meant to enter the hellfire enter the hellfire the, then death would be brought and it would then it then would be placed in between the people of Jannah and the people of Nar and then it will be slaughtered. Death will be slaughtered. And then a caller will call out and say to the people, Ya Ahl al-Jannati, the people of Jannah, La Maud, you're never gonna die. You're gonna stay in, you're gonna stay in where you are forever. Then it's the hadith, then the hadith says, Fayazdadu Ahl al-Jannati Faraha. This increases the people of Jannah happiness. Wayazdadu Ahl al-Nari Huznan. And then it also, uh, sorry, and it increases, sorry, um, 
sorrow and sadness and depression to the people of disbelief because they are also told that they're going to be in there forever never come out and they're not going to die so the hukum of ahlul kuffar the kuffar is what is khulud finari they're going to stay in the hellfire forever and the consensus of the ulama has actually come regarding this ibn al qayyim rahimahullah in his kitab tariqul hijratayn he says wala rayba anna al kuffara yatafawatu فكفر أغلط من كفر كما أن الإيمان يتفاوت فإيمان أفضل من إيمان فكما أن المؤمنين ليسوا في درجة واحدة بل هم درجات عند الله فكذلك الكفار ليسوا في طبقة واحدة ودرك واحد بل النار دركات كما أن الجنة دركات ولا يظلم الله من خلقه أحدا وهو الغني الحميد ابن القيم منشز هي that even though the kuffar are going to stay in the hellfire forever, they are not all in the same place. They are all not in the same, they are all not in the same place, in the sense, in the hellfire. No. They're all in this hellfire forever. But they are not going to be in the same place in the hellfire. Within themselves, their kufr is of levels. Just like the mu'min, his iman is of levels. So they are going to be of levels. Now we're going to speak about and we're going to discuss the ruling of the person who comes with minor kufr. What's his situation going to be in this world? And then we're going to be speaking about the one who comes with minor kufr. What's his ruling going to be the day of judgment?